Hey everyone, I'm Scott Cunningham, aka Scott Business, and today we're here with Gabriel Rene, who is the CEO of Versus.io. If you'd like to start off just by introducing yourself, that'd be awesome. Hey everybody, thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so how busy is your day on an average day working at uh, Versus? Um, well, there's a, only 24 hours in the day, so I I, I work about 25 of them. <laughs> yeah. Fairly busy, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, you know, like any startup, it's um, full time plus overtime plus anytime type of work. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, so I guess can you give us a brief introduction to Versus and what it's all about? Yeah, so we feel that the convergence of exponential technologies uh, in the 21st century, but really kicking off in 2020 here, um, is the key. Uh, disruptive transformation of uh, of the century and will disrupt every single category of industry and business and the way we live work and play so when you look at that convergence and the ingredients you're you're looking at certainly AI but also artificial intelligence and uh, uh, as artificial intelligence but then also augmented reality and virtual reality internet of things and sensors and beacons and robotics and then blockchains and cryptocurrencies and other forms of digital transactions. And then going a little further down, of course, we get into some, some even more sci-fi stuff like, um, you know, sort of uh, biotech and, um, and quantum computing. But if you look at those mm -hmm. as a whole, they're all converging in different ways. The things that we wear, the way that we're interacting with technology, you know, through voice, through, through gesture, uh, facial recognition, computer vision, um, and then the automation of contracts, the way that smart contracts are enabling that, the sort of data layer of a new, new sort of trust at the data layer, more intelligence at the logic layer, and new, you know, uh, holographic data sets at the interface layer are creating a new web. And so we call that web 3.0, um, meaning all three elements of the stack, but com connected through a new type of protocol which we've developed at Versus, which is called the HSTP protocol. So instead of the hypertext transfer protocol, which is what the, the World Wide Web has been developed on, or less a way of interactive pages uh, connect with each other, all of these mm -hmm. interactions are about spatial interactions. You know, we used to call the different types of computing, decentralized computing or distributed computing with edge or blockchain, you know, uh, spatial computing, which is AR and VR, um, ubiquitous AI, IoT is doing computing all around us. It's this trend is really about computing being in the world around us and not behind screens or merely computers sending messages back and forth to each other. So, what we've done in Versus is we've developed these this new structure, a new sort of set of protocols that allow all of those different technologies to form networks and to be able to communicate together to enable coordination between humans, machines, and AI, and to enable collaboration between different organizations and groups you know within supply chains like across you know the smart cities of the future and and ultimately the world and so that's what we're we're dedicated to developing um we're now uh we've now we've now tested these pro, pro, uh, core protocols we have a number of, of early sort of alpha partners moving into beta at the end of this year and then we're planning on uh, the global public launch probably sometime next summer that's awesome. And um, we were just talking earlier. I, I had met your team about a year ago at Futurist. 
Um, would you just like to share some of the updates that have happened since then? Yeah, um, I think most importantly, um, we have launched the Spatial Web Foundation uh, as its own nonprofit. And uh, Versus was then formed uh, after Futurist uh, as a for-profit company, kind of in the spirit of Linux and Red Hat, where you've got a nonprofit where the core protocols um, are being held, and then you've got a for-profit entity that's building applications and doing integrations and monetizing that and helping to really drive adoption um, in the mm -hmm. process. Yeah, awesome. Um, so you mentioned previously that you wrote a book called The Spatial Web. Uh, can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, so The Spatial Web um, just came out in September 2019, um, so about a month and a half ago. Um, it's been... Uh, it, number one bestseller within a, a, a few days and it's been trending as a number one bestseller in, um, in the computer and technology uh, section on Amazon. Um, That's awesome. The thank you. The title of the book is um, How Web 3.0 Connects Humans, Machines and AI to Transform the World. So it's really about this idea that most of our stories of the future when it comes to these kinds of sci-fi technologies are like dystopic tales that are all mm. in tears <laughs> kind of yeah yeah the power of these technologies overwhelming us and us overwhelming each other and it's always sort of you know either it's sort of a robotic invasion or the ai taking over or people using these technologies to destroy the world uh mm -hmm. and so we uh we have we don't have very good stories about our future as a race um but we also don't have ways of of looking at the future in ways that that solve the challenges we're facing today with our technologies. So if we look at the last hundred years of technological development, um, amongst all the amazing uh, productivity and health benefits and societal benefits at scale and all of the luxuries that we enjoy, we've also arguably brought ourselves to the point of, um, you know, species extinction. And, um, and so many of those effects, whether they were from the industrial era or the fallout from the, the digital transformation era, like in Web 2.0, where we're dealing with, you know, privacy invasion and surveillance capitalism and, and hacks of, of all different sizes and stripes um, uh, and the abuse of, of these data sets for, for basically to sell to advertisers that, could, that then are able to manipulate our, us emotionally. Um, mm -hmm. And then even ultimately, as we've seen our, 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 our elections, uh, we, we, those are all the result of a lack of thinking about the potential negative effects of our technologies. We, always, we tend to think about the positive effects of our technologies and only think of those. We didn't build privacy you know, into the web. We didn't build security into the web. It, took, like, you know, it, took, it was much later that we were able to add uh, and get adoption for something like HTTPS. Um, mm -hmm. this is one of the reasons why I think blockchain emerged because the trust, the trust layer of the web was actually missing and even worse became something that could be monetized and we could be exploited by. So now when you say artificial intelligence, robotics, you know, holographic information, digital twins, and like how much, how much more powerful are those technologies and what will the impact be a hundred years from now? So what the book tries to cover is lay out a foundation for how we build a new kind of a web um, 
in the 21st century that that has trust, interoperability, privacy, and security uh, by by default, by you know by design, uh, into the protocol layer itself. That then all the various applications uh, that are built on top of it, much like we've seen the last 30 years of the web, can take those into consideration and and uh, sort of avoid this dystopic sci-fi future from one that maybe works much better. And we use those technologies to reverse some of the challenges uh, that have come from the fallout of the last hundred years of our development and use them to propel us forward into what we, we would hope would be, for the first time, a globally networked civilization that works together for everybody. Yeah, wow. Um, so guys and girls, you gotta go get that book and uh, and uh, see what's up for yourself. And Amazon bestseller, so clearly, uh, clearly it's got something in there for everyone. Um, so how was the idea for Versus originally formed, or like, what was the motivation behind uh, starting Versus? So I started working um, at a company, uh, sort of an advanced R&T lab back in the 90s, um, more or less out of high school called CyberLab. And CyberLab worked on a lot of early augmented and virtual reality projects, um, early database design stuff for human genome project, um, as an example. A lot of project, projects um, with different governments and, and, and large nonprofits um, UNESCO and United Nations um, uh, projects, and we worked with many of the largest companies: Apple, Intel, Microsoft, um, Google, Yahoo. And then, as the web was emerging in the sort of mid '90s, um, culturally, there was the whole concept of cyberpunk. And cyberpunk was a sort of um, '80s and then '90s sci-fi uh, techno geek cultural phenomena that. Um, based on a lot of science fiction novels that had come out in that era that described a network network civilizations, often in dystopic terms. Blade Runner is a, is a great example. The Matrix is a, is a, is a great example. Um, there were other films of that era, like Johnny Mnemonic and The Lawnmower Man, and not all of these are like the greatest cinema in the world. But, um, but the thing that's common to many of them is that they describe a world where robots and humans and holographic information and a sort of three-dimensional version of the web uh, is what everyone's immersed in. Everyone's connected to the network. And um, so even as the web was becoming a, a real thing for the first time on top of the internet itself, we already thought, well, this is going to end up being a physical network and it's going to be holographic data and it's going to be a 3D web in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and virtual reality will allow you to go in and out of different imaginary worlds. And every every movie and every book and every story, instead of being something you experience on the screen, will be something that you are immersed in and can interact with. Um, like the uh, the uh, the holodeck on on uh, uh, you know Star Trek. Mm. So uh, yeah. all these ideas come out of science fiction, like like much of our greatest technology. Um, and we over many, many years while working on various different projects that touched on these technologies, whether it's AR, VR, AI, or mobile networks and mobile devices, and which became, you know, becoming Internet of Things and wearable technologies and, uh, and then e-commerce, uh, you know, how, how e-commerce sort of worked on the web, all of that leading up to about three years ago, seeing this opportunity where many of these technologies were going to converge. And the key ingredient there was that blockchain had emerged as this new way 
of enabling trusted data sets. Now, if you, if you can't trust what your eyes see, if you're on the holodeck in Star Trek and you can't trust what your eyes see, how do you know, how will you know what's accurate or what's real in terms of any, so if the data is not merely numbers on a screen, but is like a holographic projection or even haptic where you can feel something, whether you're jacked in like, like Elon Musk's uh, you know, uh, Neuralace uh, company and a number of others that are doing you know, human computer brain interfacing, uh, contact lenses. I mean, there's fast forward 20, 30 years from now and, and those sci-fi ideas are not so sci-fi anymore. So blockchain really enabled a new possibility around two things. One, creating digital scarcity, um, which the web and digitization created digital abundance, but that had driven the value of everything to effectively to zero or towards zero. Digital scarcity meant that the uniqueness of any digital asset, which could be like, for example, a perfect one-to-one -one holographic projection of Gabriel talking to Scott, you know, driven by an AI using Google Duplex for my voice, like maybe this is me, maybe this isn't me, right? Right now we're interfacing through Skype. I look pretty realistic. Um, you look pretty realistic, but we've never met. I don't actually know. So let's fast forward yeah. and meeting in an immersive environment, you know, 15 years from now, you know, we, we've been doing R&D long enough. I can tell you that it would be impossible to be able to tell. We've seen the precursors of, of this with things like deep fakes, which basically costs some, you know, a couple of pennies and any college kid can stick your face on anything, right? Mm. So now that becomes fully holographic. It becomes hyper real, like the, like the best video game. We've gone from Pac-Man to, you know, uh, uh, League of Legends, I mean, or even more hyper real video games um, with real time interactivity with, you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of people interacting simultaneously. Mm -hmm. we, we will drive past the point of what's considered the uncanny valley or the re reality singularity, I like to call it, where we're not going to be able to tell. Well, blockchain suddenly en enables us to have a way to verify beyond our senses what data sets are real, no matter how they're being represented. And that opened up a window to start thinking about the possibility of Web 3.0 becoming this sort of what we used to call the metaverse, which now we call the spatial web, uh, where all these technologies can converge and we can have these amazing immersive experiences and IoT devices and robotics can all talk to each other and AIs can coordinate and you know uh, we can interact with holographic information, but suddenly you can trust which IoT device registered to which company, which camera is being turned on and where did this holographic information come from? The provenance of experience um, could, could suddenly become valid. And in fact, might possibly be one of the more important things, challenges to solve in the 21st century. If in fact, the, these other technologies are advancing so fast, blockchain suddenly became the, uh, almost like the adults in the room that would help us to bridle the, this horse, so it's not just you know running us right off the cliff, and it's something we mm -hmm. can actually control and direct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what are some of the next big updates in the works for for Versus? Like, what are we going to see in the next six months or so? Uh, so, we're targeting a large symposium for Q1 of next year. We'll be um, demonstrating um, a number of functional demos around applications for supply chain and for retail and for entertainment and for smart cities um, with a number of different partners. 
Um, and then we'll also be releasing technical information. We're going to enable people to sign up for the beta. Um, and all that leads up then, I think, to, to the larger global public release uh, sometime in Q2. So okay. that's where our, our focus is at the moment. Meanwhile, Versus is doing a number of different development projects for various partners. Uh, a lot of it focused in supply chain and logistics where we need both sort of, the, you know, you really want provenance that might be related to blockchain, but you also need the benefits of performance increases that happen when you suddenly allow people to access holographic information. You can imagine mm -hmm. a warehouse picker moving through a warehouse trying to find a, a box. Right now, they they kind of look at a series of numbers and then they, they look at the numbers on the screen, they try to find the box in three-dimensional space, and they take it and they go put it at the drop-off location. So we're developing applications to help warehouse workers be able to route themselves through these million square foot warehouses, which speeds up productivity. Um, we're working on a, a number of projects right now with um, uh, with a, a number of universities, some around uh, climate uh, credit uh, accounting. Um, there's a number of smart city projects that we're also uh, co-developing with a number of partners. And we'll be revealing who those people are and what those projects are um, uh, in the coming months. Awesome. I'm interested to see um maybe like um something to help navigate people through like grocery stores or like um you know like just retail consumption and being mm -hmm. able to find the products that you're looking for i think that'd be really really interesting yeah. um so so what what is it going to look like in the net in like a bit of a longer term like what is the vision for the next two years to five years for for versus like in in the most ideal sense because obviously it's it's hard to see that far in the future with how fast everything's changing but uh i guess just like a, in an ideal world what would that look like well there's two different there's two different branches to the strategy so one is um that the spatial web foundation um is focused on driving a, a, a awareness and adoption so more awareness and more adoption. So working with um, working with other standards bodies and organizations, working with governments, working with policymakers, um, and building out developer tools and developer communities that can really start to drive their own use cases and applications and, and supporting those. And then uh, on the lab side of the house, uh, our focus is building applications and integrations so that large organizations, large corporations and governments can start to integrate these technologies at scale. Um, so this is, these are, these are like the most practical, boring applications that you can come up with, you know, how to manage ports, how to manage fleets of trucks, how to, how to manage warehouses, how to manage supply chain, how to manage energy grids and, uh, you know, gas and electric. And then, and then, um, kind of even at the same time, considerations around climate and impact at scale and government um, sort of policies, land title registrations, all these things that are very much sort of infrastructure related. Um, that's our core focus there. So the two go hand in hand because this shows the viability and applicability of the, the core technologies in, in large uh, uh, use cases. And then the foundation's focus is really um, a little more uh, top down uh, uh, in terms of driving influence, but also bottom up with respect to supporting, you know, developer communities for more organic, uh, development. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, do you find that like, are there any other projects doing this or do you guys find that you are pretty much the, one of the most unique, 
like people in this space right now or or is there anything else or is there any other projects doing something similar how does your how does versus fit in with that um there isn't anyone doing what we're doing um everyone's working on something that tends to be focused on an industry so mm. it's like it's like a technology focus on an industry so mm -hmm. take a technology it's like there are people focused on blockchain there are people focused on spatial computing there are people focused on artificial intelligence there's people focused on iot um in some rare cases you get one plus the other one, like blockchain for iot right or mm -hmm. you get blockchain for vr so you get something like um uh, uh decentralized right um iot plus blockchain sort of iota right and there's there's a handful of examples like that i don't know if mm -hmm. any of them gotten great traction yet um but i think that there are important steps in the right direction um we're not we're not any of those technologies we're literally a protocol designed to connect those technologies mm. so there the world wide web is not a it's not a computing technology it's it's not a um you know it, it's not a storage technology it's it's it, it's it's really a protocol designed to connect um well, in this case certain types of computers and, and but fundamentally enabling content linking between pages so we've developed new hstp hyperspace transaction protocol to enable interactions and transactions in space it's really moving the idea of a web from something behind a screen that is an, about sharing, like autom automating the sharing of information to automating interactions in the world. So there isn't anyone else going for this, in part because um, maybe they just weren't cyberpunk geeks from the 90s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a big undertaking and, and you guys are really like building out the foundation uh, for, for anyone else to come and then start to try to build on top of that. Yeah. Um, so, so do you have like a, a current user base or is that going to be in the future when, uh, when it launches? Um, we don't have a, a user base because we're not, uh, we're not a consumer facing, you're facing it's, for developers to develop things on top of, right? Um, okay, so yeah, I that makes sense. Those users, uh, there are users that are that work are more like partners that we're working with that are um, developing applications, um, and that's they are they're very targeted for different industries, and so that we're able to showcase certain technologies, which again you will be able to share at our symposium in in Q1. Um, but it's very much the opposite of the the sort of ico blockchain protocol approach to the market where mm -hmm. where and we get, let's, let's let's write a white paper then we'll do a token sale then we'll use the tokens to develop the technology then we'll get people to start building on top of it and then they'll start building dApps and we'll those then users will come and i think if we're being honest i haven't looked at the most recent numbers but i don't know if there's any successful dap today of any kind that is it's probably if you take the, the most the top 10 most successful dApps they're probably at the very very bottom of the list of of apps 
in in Apple's App Store or the Android App Store in terms yeah, of yeah, users, yeah. hundreds or maybe several thousand users, right? So I think that even something really successful or cons considerably successful or arguably successful like Ethereum hasn't driven a lot of actual applications. And as a result, there are hardly any users. The vast majority of all users right now using blockchain are um, playing games or playing poker, right? So blockchain as a, as a, as a philosophy in 2018 has been a commercial failure in 2019. Um, but that's not a great indication of the success of the technology. Um, I think that over the next several years, we're going to start to see these various applications. Even the, the, the tests that we're seeing in commercial, like large-scale commercial um, deployments, a lot of which are around supply chain, have not been wildly successful. And, and many of them are still in process and we don't have that data. So the world is still out on blockchain. What is it exactly that it's good for and how is it able to be used? Um, but I would argue that the world is also not bought into Internet of Things yet. <laughs> Um, I don't think that it's bought into uh, augmented or virtual reality. It's not bought into artificial intelligence. Like all of these technologies are nascent and new, um, but they, our argument is that they actually are correlated and go together. You know, there are mm -hmm. people, you know, 10 plus years ago trying to, trying to describe why the cloud was important. You know, in McDonald's, when McDonald's was approached to get McDonald's.com, they were like, this is useless. What do we need this for? Um, two years later, they bought it for three million dollars. Yep. So um, these technologies have to prove themselves out, and the markets have to emerge. But um, I don't look at users as a metric for success for us right now, in part because I don't think that uh, I don't think the market's ripe enough to use that metric. Instead, what I look at is the scale of interest and demand that we're getting from large organizations and governments and and uh, institutions that have problems that need a multi-tiered solution, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So, so absolutely. That's that's the that's the lens that we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, is your team planning to uh, attend any conferences? I know you said in Q1 you have the symposium. Uh, are are you going to be attending any conferences over the next year that you want to let anyone know about in advance uh, to make sure that they'll show up? Yeah, thank you. Um, we don't have anything planned right now. You know, 2017 and 2018 was filled with so many conferences all around the world, um, which which is great. We met a lot of wonderful people and we got to meet, you know, participate in the community. And I think around this movement, a lot of it was which was focused on sort of crypto events and blockchain events. Um, and since you know we attend events that are AI and VR related and um, and IoT related and smart city related, however. Uh, we have no plans between now and our symposium in Q1, um, mainly because we're coming into the end of the year here and we're, we're very focused on kind of what do we now need to, to give to present. So, you know, please uh, come to the spatialweb.org, fill out, uh, you know, give, send us your email. We'll, we'll uh, make sure we keep in touch or come to versus.io, uh, same thing. And, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll be doing a live broadcast um, uh, of this, of the symposium and we'll be making a, a lot of materials available for everyone at that point. So no matter where you are, you don't have to meet us in Beijing at, at 
or Tokyo or <laughs> New York or, or Vancouver or Toronto or LA, uh, you can meet us online. And um, we think that that's probably the best way to create the content, share it with everybody and then be able to chop that up in little pieces and, and then and then come back on with people like you and talk about what we think went well at the symposium and get your feedback and and uh, and your community's feedback as well. So no plans for uh, well, all of our all of our future events at the moment are all taking place in cyberspace. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that that's make that's what makes sense, right? Yeah, the natural progression of things. So so um, where can any, everyone go to learn about this? Uh, you you just mentioned um, a couple of the uh, the two websites, but if you just want to mention them again for anyone who uh, yeah. wants to uh, go check those out. Yeah, so please uh, come check out check us out at thespatialweb.org. Uh, the site's just gone up, so bear with us. It's, it doesn't have high levels of detailed information, but give us your email. We'll stay in touch. Uh, you can also visit us at versus.io. Um, and you can go to Amazon if you'd like to learn more about this and look up the spatial web. Uh, it's written by myself, Gabriel Renee, and my, my partner, Dan Mapes. Um, and you can follow me at Twitter at greal1111. Um, I, I post a lot of weird stuff related to all these emerging technologies. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are the, those are the, the cyber handle locations for now. And one day. Uh, hopefully we'll be doing this, uh, this whole, uh, type of interview in the spatial web itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So everyone make sure to go and check that out and make sure to check out the book if you want to learn more. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we end this off? Just that I appreciate, uh, everything you're doing, Scott. And I think, uh, this is what makes the world go around. It's people sharing their ideas with each other. So thanks for, thanks for, for bringing me on today. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for coming on. I think, um, since you guys are doing such a unique project, I think it's really awesome to be able to share that with the audience and uh, give them some more insight so that they can uh, look forward and uh, definitely check out the symposium in, in Q1 of next year for sure. So uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. And um, I wish you all the best with your projects. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye-bye.